Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. I think it goes without saying that I oppose mask mandates like I oppose vaccine mandates, like I oppose employers forcing vaccines on employees. I I oppose the concepts of force. I don't think this is surprising for anyone. That doesn't make me anti-vax. And that's where people who are uh, politically driven want to live and breathe. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. It's good to be with you. Facebook, Tony Katz Radio. Parlor, Instagram, Twitter, Tony Katz. Everything at Tony Katz. Dot com. You can support the show there, get the podcast, do all the things. But I think it's really important that we focus on not only the, the, the rights of the people to make decisions that others may disagree with, but the only way you can come to some level of decision is if you have a good understanding of the data. Data matters. Now, there's a politics to all the things that we see regarding COVID, and I don't disagree with this, but I leave those politics to individuals. When we're talking about data, I want to know, like you want to know, what is actually happening? That's the part that matters. What is it that we're dealing with? What is it that we're seeing? I wanted to know what was going on in Indianapolis. What is happening here regarding COVID with kids and why are hospitals filling up a subject that we're hearing not only here in Indy, but all across the country? Dr. Jennifer Barker joins me right now, double board certified in pediatrics and emergency medicine, the medical director of the emergency department at Ascension St. Vincent at Peyton Manning's Children's, Peyton Manning Children's Hospital and co-chair of the Department of Emergency Medicine at Ascension St. Vincent. Now, full disclosure, I have never met Dr. Barker before, but she spent an hour with me last night answering questions so I would be able to understand how to bring this conversation to all of us. And Dr. Barker, it's good to have you with us. We're discussing what's happening in hospitals and we're seeing hospitals fill up, but it's not simply COVID that is filling up hospitals. It is respiratory ailments. So I would like for you to take a minute to walk us through what it is you're seeing and specifically the differences that exist between those kids who may be coming in with the Delta variant of COVID and what is called RSV. Well, good morning, Tony. Thank you so much for for having me this morning. It is definitely a different environment in the hospital over the last couple months. We are seeing a uptick in our respiratory viral complaints, which, interestingly enough, for the previous 18 months had always been present, but definitely not in the numbers that we're currently seeing. Um, I would say that we are seeing kind of a bimodal um, distribution of respiratory complaints. We are seeing a group of younger kids that are typically probably five years and younger who are presenting with significant congestion, fever, runny nose, and they're testing positive for RSV, which is respiratory syncytial virus. It's a virus we typically see in the winter. So we typically see December, January, February months of the year. So it's atypical to see it this time of year. Uh, And we're seeing it, usually we'll see RSV create symptoms in 
kids who are two and younger, uh, and they present with cough, congestion, like I mentioned, fever. They often have respiratory distress because they're having a hard time managing all the secretions that they have. Um, The interesting thing this year is that we are seeing it in kids older than that as well with the respiratory complaints. For older kids or for adults that might get RSV, it just looks like the common cold with, with congestion and maybe some liver fever. So, what, we're, so what you're seeing, just uh, because we want to keep things moving, RSV is not something that is new or unique because of COVID. It's not new or unique because of masks. Rather, it's something that it does exist. There is a season for it. But you're just seeing more of those cases oddly in the summer. Absolutely. And interestingly enough, I, I pulled our hospital data, and before the end of May, we were not really seeing any RSV. You know, the, last week of May, we saw one case for the week, and now the first week of August, we have seen over 50 cases for the week. And part of the argument is, is that you have people who are getting out, they're seeing each other, as opposed to being in a lockdown mode, and so they're seeing each other, and these things could be spreading with a little more effectiveness. Absolutely. And I do think, too, that with this being the population that is under two, um, I do think that it is uh, interesting that probably more of them are being uh, in daycare settings than were during lockdown. There are more parents who are going back to work in person. Um, And so I do think that uh, we've got also a group of kids that for the last year and a half really have not had exposure to respiratory illnesses like they are now. Talking to Dr. Jennifer Barker, medical director of the emergency department at Ascension St. Vincent at Peyton Manning Children's Hospital. So this is an argument not that, oh, my gosh, what is happening? It's that you would have seen more of these cases spread out over more time if we weren't in, in lockdown. This isn't this isn't a pro or, or con to the lockdown conversation. That's much more a political conversation. But what it is giving you is this is taking up emergency room beds because when somebody says, hey, my child is having trouble be- breathing, the doctor doesn't say, well, bring them in or make an appointment. They say, go to the emergency room. In some cases, it is taking ICU beds, but the mass, the, the, the preponderance of what you're seeing are these RSV cases in terms of the those who need hospitalization and not specifically COVID, even though you are seeing an uptick of COVID in children. That is exactly right. We're seeing an uptick in the kids who are needing admission for RSV. And we are seeing an increase in the numbers of kids with COVID. At the same time, the kids with COVID, the predominance of them are able to be able to go home with symptomatic care and following. Now, that's not to say that we don't have sick kids with with COVID. At a point last week, our intensive care unit, 25% of the kids in our intensive care unit were kids with COVID. Um, So I, I think that it is predominantly RSV that is driving our admissions currently. Now, when we say 25%, if if I understand it right, 12 ICU beds, three of them are COVID. We're, we're not making an argument of discounting. We just want to make sure we understand the numbers of what you're seeing at Ascension St. Vincent. Yes, and you're, you're exactly right. So now let's get into what it is that we think we're seeing regarding uh, COVID. Is, is, is the Delta variant really that much more dangerous or may, let's start with contagious and dangerous, two separate things for children? So it is absolutely more contagious. And I think um, as far as dangerous, 
anytime you simply have more kids getting sick, there's going to be more of a demand on resources from a hospital or from a healthcare standpoint. And so some of what is, uh, I would put in the category of dangerous, is when you have uh, a healthcare system that's not able to take care of kids the way we would want to be just because of the volume. Uh, so that's part of the conversation is, is how many kids are getting sick. Now, as far as the Delta variant, I do think that we are seeing kids with more symptoms, but that doesn't necessarily mean that it's more dangerous. See that, uh, that's the part that, that kind of gets people because then it's taken in, into the political of, okay, it's not more dangerous. Uh, uh, my kid's fine. And my kid's good. My kid's not going to have an issue. You and I, uh, in, in our conversation yesterday, if, if we were to dig into it this way, might have a disagreement on a, on a couple of things that, that kids can be doing or, or parents uh, can be doing regarding either, either uh, social distancing, masks, uh, vaccine, uh, these kinds of things. You did note, and I want to make sure that it's clear that certainly not all children are are eligible for vaccines, but the children you are seeing who are eligible, in your words, they are all unvaccinated, correct? The kids that are ending up in the hospital are unvaccinated kids, yes. Talk to me about what you think the future holds you you've taken a look at, at state data we see some states like alabama that seem to be past their peak there's a whole conversation about peak and covid uh, dr scott gottlieb formerly of the fda talking about delta being in in the rearview mirror the delta variant although there could be uh, 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 other variants uh where is indiana in terms of delta peak when you look at prediction models, uh, I think Dr. Scott Gottlieb might be talking about the United States as a whole. I do think that there is uh, regional variation depending on where you are uh, in the country. And I do think that Indiana is still on the upswing. When you look at some of our predictive models, it looks like we will not peak for another several weeks, maybe towards the end of September to the beginning of October. End of September. So that's that's. I mean, that's five weeks. You shared that number with me yesterday, and it kind of, it, it kind of blew my mind a little bit that we could still be seeing that kind of uptick. But are you expecting, in our hospitals, expecting that many more cases to fill up hospital beds on a short term or a long term basis? You know, with any predictive model, it's, it's never a hundred percent. But I will tell you that the hospitals across Central Indiana are generally quite full. Um, and they're not, they're certainly are, are COVID patients, um, but we're not near the number of COVID patients right now that we were late last fall or early um, 2021. Uh, but we are certainly back to planning uh, to how are we going to be able to deal with increased numbers should our numbers go up for another four to five to six weeks. Uh, the, the hospitals in the area are definitely planning for increased numbers. Uh, there are a uh, of- fair amount of these conversations i only hope we get to have uh in into the future on the subject and getting the data but i want to make sure we're we're being clear that when we talk about there's the conversation of covid and of delta there's the conversation of rsv and then there's the conversation of what's happening in your hospitals talk to me about how full your hospital and other hospitals in the area are and it's not just covid but from from this this mix of, of things that you're seeing Great question. So our hospitals have been running 
near our staffed capacity for several weeks. And it's interesting because it's there, this isn't just one hospital in the area. All of our hospitals are, um, I think, working hard to find the, the right people to uh, be able to work. And I, I'm going to be real honest, Tony, healthcare is, is tired, <laughs> uh, just like everyone is of, of COVID, of the pandemic. Um, but we do see, we are, we are seeing all of the other things, especially over the summer, uh, often our trauma numbers go up and it was interesting. There was a, a patient who was transferred um, from out of state to central Indiana last night as a trauma patient. And um, just because, again, I think there are other states that are also working to, to full capacity. And we do still have some capacity. Don't get me wrong. Uh, but it is just much more. Uh, it's a daily question of where can our patients be? Where can they be safely? And how many of them um, do we have room for today? Last week, uh, our hospitals in central Indiana uh, the majority of them were on in a diversion status, which is where um, hospitals will go temporarily for a couple hours, sometimes sometimes up to a day, when they don't have capacity to take more patients so that we right. can manage the ones we've got and then continue to take more. And uh, that is something that's happened to multiple hospitals on a daily basis in our area. Dr. Jennifer Barker, Medical Director of the Emergency Department at Ascension St. Vincent Peyton Manning Children's Hospital, co-chair of the Department of Emergency Medicine at Ascension St. Vincent. I appreciate the time and the sharing of the information. Much more coming up. I'm Tony Katz. Man, I am seeing people calling for Joe Biden to resign. President Trump called on Joe Biden uh, to resign over what's taking place in Afghanistan. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today, it's good to be with you. You know, I I, I talked a lot about Afghanistan uh, today, and it's not that there's not more to get into. There there is much more to get into, and of course, our conversation of... uh, take. For for the amount that you can, just take the political out of it for a second and ask yourself, if indeed, if indeed this is how Joe Biden views it, if indeed this is what the President of the United States was left with just a month ago, is the Taliban takeover of Afghanistan now inevitable? No, it is not. Why? Because you have the Afghan troops have 300,000 well-equipped, as well-equipped as any army in the world, and an air force against something like 75,000 Taliban. It is not inevitable. Taliban took the country in a month. They're in the palace. By the way, stories that people who are at Guantanamo are now with them at the palace. So, you know, that happened. But here, that's a, that's a month ago. So what level of failure is there? His failure to plan or a, a complete and total intel failure on what the Afghan military was capable of doing? Don't get me wrong. I won't listen to anybody tell me, oh, this, you know, Trump made this deal. Stop talking, you psychopath, lunatic, freak children. 
Trump also had a plan at the border. Biden didn't listen to that. Trump had plans here, there, and everywhere. Biden doesn't listen to any of it. But all of a sudden, because of Afghanistan, oh, you know, Trump made a deal. We had to go through with it. Stop it. You're just a lying... Not you. I don't want to say you. Just calm and serene, Tony. Think of puppies. That's right. Cute little puppies. Or guinea pigs eating carrots. Because guinea pigs are adorable. The people who believe that this is Trump's fault are lying freak children. Fools. Ignorant ignorant people unworthy of your love, your time, or your devotion. Just saying it as it is. Uh, I, 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 no quarter. Just, just, just cut these people down and get them out of their crazy. Speaking of crazy, Washington Times reporting that West Point is teaching Marxism. Three classes, according to the, to the story, being taught, um, discuss social inequality, military leadership, leading inclusive teams, and politics of race, gender, and sexual, sexuality and diversity. Let me say uh, for, for the record that Black Lives Matter should be nowhere near the U.S. military, nor should anything about social inequality or anything having to do with race and gender. They wear the uniform. That's who they are. They wear the uniform, they protect the nation, regardless of any of these things. So therefore, these things are not necessary to teach in, in these institutions. And the only reason to teach them is to break down the military. And this is why people were so upset with the chairman of the Joint Chiefs, General Miley. Who, by the way, why does he have a job if he was saying that the Afghan military can handle things and it turns out, no, they can't. Why does he have a job? Fire him and take away his pension. But there is a real issue here with what is being taught, as, as we've discussed. A dangerous issue. The military exists to kill people and to break things, to defend the nation, and that's it. It is not a place to engage anybody's woke ideology. Let me take it a step further. I don't care about your woke ideology in the military. The other military members shouldn't care. You have one job. Handle it. I don't think you should treat people rudely. I don't think you should discriminate against people because of the color of their skin or because of their sex. I am saying that when you wear the uniform, you have one task and you are one group. And you're protecting the person next to you. Whether you like them or not doesn't matter. They put on the uniform, they get protected, and they protect you because they may not like you. What does the personal have to do with any of it? You know what? Maybe we need to separate ourselves from this and get into some other things that are out there. Like, what's really out there? Like, in the cosmos. All right, I'm going to dip my toe into the UFOs. Honestly, it's. I think they might be out there. I'm Tony Katz. We were staying in Paris to get away from your parents, and I thought, wow, if I could take this in a shot right now, I don't think that we could work this out out on the terrace. It is not that I'm saying that they're real. That's not the argument that I make when it comes to UFOs. The argument I make is that there has been too much, too much conversation, too much video. Over the last couple of years, it's just gotten to the point of absolutely positively weird. And who am I not to ask myself whether any of this 
is in any way legit. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. It's good to be with you. Ben Hansen joins us right now. Ben Hansen, H-A-N-S-E-N, BenHansen.com. Uh, now, he is uh, the guy. He is the one who talks these things. Former, uh, former federal agent, UFO investigator. He's been uh, uh, in Roswell, The Final Verdict, which is now streaming on, Dis- streaming on Discovery+. Plus. He joins us right now. I mean, the, the, the argument is we're not alone in the world. And people take this as, oh my gosh, are we having this conversation? But every day we seem to get another video from some military source saying, that's weird. Talk to me about uh, where most people come uh, at this. What is the angle they take? That we're not alone uh, just on, on planet Earth? Or something's happening that's just nuts? Hey, Tony. So, yeah, I think that, that most people now, if you look at the surveys, believe that it's, it's very possible we've already been visited. Um, you know, what we're seeing with the, the Navy videos and things being released, I think, is that extra credibility a lot of people are waiting for is that the government now has admitted um, in the congressional report that came out that they don't know what these things are, that there's a number of them um, that, that are not ours and they're not our adversaries. They've pretty much said everything except, you know, the possibility that it's extraterrestrial. So I think a lot of people are waiting for that and wanted the government to tell them, but they kind of already knew, if you look at the surveys, that a lot of people are have already been seeing them and they're they're open to the possibility. I think the, that when, when people get into these conversations and they look at it, I mean, I, in any normal day, any normal week, right, I, I, I'm a guy who's like, I think that if, if, if uh, space is infinite, the idea that I'm alone is, is, is a rather small uh, percentage idea that, that you can't tell me that this is the only way that, that life can exist. But the conversation of people are trying to pay us a visit, or as you've just said, we haven't been visited. That's when everyone's like, all right, I'm, I'm out. Uh, I'm gone. <laughs> Except we keep seeing these pieces of video. As you take a look at these things and you do these things, you investigate them, you're in the specials, you're regarded in, 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 in this way for, for, for knowing this information. When we see the military video of this, that, and the other things moving, the, the encounters, they can't recognize it. Have they come up with explanations that pass, in your view, a smell test of, yeah, that could have just been some weird thing as opposed to an extraterrestrial thing? Well, typically what I look for when we're looking at a video or a witness statement or things that I've even seen, um, a couple things. One of them we say is non-ballistic movement. So if you're looking at a satellite, um, it travels in a straight line, right? So we look for objects that um, are traveling really fast, like a satellite might, but takes, um, you know, really quick turns or stops and then starts again. And, and so when you're looking, for example, at the Navy videos, you not only have evidence of that in the video itself, but you have the eyewitness accounts of the pilots chasing them, the G-forces that were involved in just the chase, and then you have radar data. So when these things disappear and then reappear 60 miles away in less than a second, or they'll go from 75,000 feet down to the ocean uh, surface in less than a second, you're talking about over 13,000 miles an hour, right? And, and the ability seemingly to cloak, you know, and, and not, not be seen at, at times. So if you want to believe and say that it's the Russians or the North Koreans or whoever Chinese have developed this, 
that to me is almost a more scary world that they're so far ahead of us, you know, in technology. So uh, that's kind of what we're dealing with when we're looking for the legit stuff. And you do have to admit there are cases mixed up in that that could be high-tech drone technology, and that's what makes it really difficult is to peel apart the layers and see which is which. Talking to Ben Hansen, he's got the specials on Discovery uh, Plus, uh, and and you can check them out uh, for yourself. And then there's Alien Invasion, Hudson Valley. I think people who listen to me are like, Tony, I can't even believe you're having this conversation. <laughs> and, 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 you know, I, I, I am not about to be someone who sides on the idea of, oh, yes, we've been visited. That's not my argument. Uh, that could be yours, Ben, not, not mine. My argument is there comes a moment where you see so many things, and especially over the last year, so many pieces of military sharing the, these videos that you're like, what is it that, that we're looking at? So let me go the other way here. Have you ever run across something where you see it and you've been able to explain it away as not something that's unidentified, but you've been able to figure out what it is? Oh, absolutely. And, and in fact, it's disappointing to, to people who will believe anything, um, but a lot of times they're Chinese lanterns. Um, people don't, if you're not, haven't seen one go in the air, I mean, they flicker, they go in and out. It's kind of strange. Uh, we've had military flares. I've had, I'd say, 95% of the cases that people bring me, I can explain. Um, but, but then again, I've had my own sightings. Um, I saw something that was a black triangle that looked transparent it was completely silent and so i can't just tell somebody well I, I don't believe you out of hand that's that's crazy right and so now that you've got the military saying these exact same things have been recorded and happening um you're right my, my job neither is to convince people but i think if if you had an interest you would see that this is what's really cool you know, we're so politically divided what's really cool is that both sides of the aisle are in Congress, um, you know, right now on, on committees determining um, how much budgeting goes to uh, the DOD in, in uh, analyzing this stuff and bringing us reports, and they're demanding for their constituents that we have answers. So that, to me, is, is a great first step. I guess the, the, the question then then goes to how do you take somebody who's like this isn't real and you're crazy which i i'm willing to bet ben somebody has said to you before you know you're crazy um <laughs> how do you take them and begin some conversation of convincing because because part of you know being able to do this thing i mean discovery plus isn't doing it if there isn't an interest in it even if it's just the gawker angle but how do you do it what is your uh philosophy or mentality for for trying to get somebody to be like to 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 accept that what you're saying has a legitimacy well if if they have any real interest in it you got to do the homework the problem is that we're all grazers of information we don't really dive into things people don't read books anymore and and everything that most people know about UFOs is pop culture. It's the movies, and which which has some truth to it. But you need to pick up a book. And if people really are interested, you'd pick up a book about, let's say, Roswell, and read about the hundreds of witnesses. Um, they would they would pick up the the official government reports and uh, the things coming out now, and they'd read about it. You know, because I myself can't convince anybody. In fact, if if I were to tell someone at a really closed mind. 
uh, and I took them somewhere and they had an amazing sighting, they're still going to dismiss it and find ways to um, to not believe if they, they don't have that open uh, paradigm shift, I should say, that they're willing to accept, hey, if I'm provided with evidence, okay, i gotta, I got to change my, my view. Um, and so I, I'd say reading and studying, honestly, um, movies and TV are great, but but you really need to do the homework. What one piece of evidence would you direct people to? What is what is your touchstone? Okay, let's start with this. This is the start of of proving that we are not alone. <laughs> um, I would say read the UAP preliminary assessment, which came out. It's only a seven page thing that that Congress asked the DoD to create in July or, or June, and and uh, read read that seven page thing. Then I would say an iconic case is Roswell, and, and, and not just because of the series that came out, but, but it really lays out a timeline of events, and you get to see how many dozens of witnesses of, of real uh, high credibility that, that were talking about this, and, and then just at the end of it say, okay, I, I have to have an open mind now that there might be something to this, because why would hundreds of people lie, especially to their own children on their deathbeds, when they were decorated military officials or doctors or, or whoever, why, what would they gain by lying? And, and, t- and listen to the certainty as they, they give their testimonies that these were not uh, similar to human, but they weren't human. And the properties and materials and everything that they studied was was not something that was terrestrial. And then and then ask yourself, is it possible? You know, if it's not, and you want to dismiss all of those, and you want to dismiss what the government's saying, then, then I say, you know, go on and, and, and you know, go about your daily life and worry about other things. But uh, <laughs> that's where I would start. That is Ben Hansen right there, H-A-N-S-E-N, Ben Hansen, uh, dot com. Uh, I, 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 I'm telling you, I'm going to get emails galore because this is a first for me in, in this kind of, of, of conversation. I just, I, it, it do, do I believe we've been visited? No. Uh, it is, is it, is it all weird? Yes. And as long as it's weird, I'm going to, I'm going to pay a, a bit of attention, but I, I could be convinced uh, to, uh, you know, I, I don't want to be the, the Scully Mulder guy, but I want to believe <laughs> That's all there well, is that, to that, it. That's a good start, you know, and whatever happens, happens. I think uh, it'll be rolling out, you know, who knows, months, years, we'll, we'll hear more about this. And, and personally, I do think there's a time where, you know, it, it will be undeniable, but it's not anything I think to really be afraid of. And I think that's the kind of root of a lot of it, is that people are like, eh, there's too much going on in my world. I don't, I don't want to, you know, worry about aliens now, you know, and I don't, I don't, I'm not worried. Part, wait, I, think it's, it's I don't think it's worry. I think it's actually a touch to an extent, a part of the escapism. There is so much insanity in the world that there are these other little things that maybe kind of, you know, if, if let's, let's make the argument, right, that we're not alone. You, you make that argument, that argument sounds so nuts coming uh, from me. Dear Lord, other things really do come into perspective. When you they realize <laughs> the size and scope, it's the reason I go to visit the mountains. I visit the mountains because they they were here before me. They'll be here after me. They're much larger than me. Kind of sets the sets the the space for who you well, are, you where remember, you are in in your own world. Never mind in an even a, a grander, <laughs> broader scheme of things. You remember President Reagan and and President Clinton both famously made um, speeches that. 
imagine if there was some other existential threat. And, and Reagan said from out there, when he's talking about the Star Wars initiative, and, and he said, it would bring us together. We would worry about all these petty things. We would come together as a, as a, a globe, uh, as a country, right? And, and, and I do believe that. I, I think that, you know, maybe that's the positive that comes out of it, that we realize, again, we're all um, humans of the same, <laughs> same planet we're inhabiting, and there, we do have more in common than we don't. Ben Hansen, BenHanson.com. I appreciate you taking the time. I've got more coming up. I'm Tony Katz. According to the New York Post, a Fox host got sent a white powdery substance in the mail. This happened Friday, an evacuation of the New York City offices, which, by the way, are pretty large. Been there more than once in my life. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. They state that they immediately notified NYPD's hazmat unit and the fire department of New York, both of which responded accordingly, and the floor was evacuated. The substance was determined to be non-hazardous, and we are very grateful for their swift attention to the incident. I lived in D.C. during anthrax. After September 11th, and there was anthrax uh, through the mail, and went weeks without getting mail. It was it, it was crazy. The, this is what happens when people who have no decency, have no shame, and and believe that either a they're they're righteous or they're just damn fools, act the part of the righteous or the damn fool. That that's what this is. Now, as for what's going on in central Indiana and the masks and uh, your kids going to school and some people wanting uh, to uh, to uh, have uh, religious exemptions from wearing masks and mask mandates, mask mandates are, of course, wrong. And I've got this story uh, that you'll be able to get at, at uh, WIBC.com, at TonyKatz.com, this open letter to Governor Holcomb. Uh, uh, you you got to protect the parent. You see, the schools want to talk about protecting children. But that's not the job of the school. The job of the school is not to protect the children. It's to educate the children. If the job of the school is to protect children, then can we ask what the job of the parent is? But I believe that all of this is about eliminating the parent. Because, well, I'm just playing it out what else does it mean when the school can decide the child has to do this for their safety even though the parent disagrees and thinks that that has a, a a very large issue regarding safety you know i was talking earlier about this i think it's a, the wall street journal piece i don't know why i just forgot right there yeah wall street journal piece the case against masks for children you got dr marty mccari in there making the case there's more than just whether or not they're going to get covid there are all the other things at play here all of the other issues all of the other problems why shouldn't we note this it seems radical that we wouldn't take a look at the other issues. And parents are making this judgment call every day, and only they are capable of doing it. Schools can't. School boards cannot. If we are allowing school boards to be in charge, then what is the job of the parents other than to make babies and hand them over to the state because they know best? 
the governor, Eric Holcomb, needs to step in and support these parents and support the idea that parents are in charge of their children and not the state. He has to say it loudly, clearly, directly, and put in for in favor or put in place um, rules that do not allow school boards to engage mask mandates. That doesn't stop people from still wearing masks. They can still wear them. That's the beauty of it. People who believe in liberty, you still have your choices. Now I get mine. And mine are not come to through some kind of, oh, I just want to support Donald Trump and not believe in masks. I've had that actually said to me before. I thought it was a despicable thing to say. You think Trump has anything to do with this? You just, you're not paying attention to what's happening. And you're not more moral because you believe everyone should wear a mask. I believe you're less. And Governor Holcomb should be supporting parents. I only hope that he will. Check for that at WIBC.com. Facebook, Tony Katz Radio. Find everything at TonyKatz.com. And this right here is Tony Katz Today. Tomorrow, everyone, take care.